0: Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Philippians chapter number 4. Book of Philippians chapter number 4. We're going to be reading from the New Living Translation this morning. Reading just verse number 11 to get us started this morning. The Apostle Paul writes in the book of Philippians chapter number 4 and verse number 11. He says, not that I was ever in need. He said, because I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Notice that incredible statement that the Apostle Paul made. He said, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. The title of my message today is Content or discontent. Father, I just pray today, Lord, that your anointing once again will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. Father, give us ears upon our heart today. Father, I just pray today, Lord, that this word this morning will will be effective today. God, I pray that we will not simply be hearers of your word, but God, I pray that once we hear the word, that Lord, that we will act upon the word of God and we will become doers of your word so that our lives can be better and we can be more like Christ all of these things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, Praise the, Praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Every single one of us here today have a choice to make. We can either choose to be content or discontent. Let me tell you this morning that contentment has nothing to do with what we have or don't have. I let that sink in this morning. I didn't get much response. You didn't like it. But the truth is, this morning, contentment has nothing to do with what we have or don't have. It has nothing to do with whether we meet our goals or whether we do not meet our goals. Contentment or discontentment boils down to one thing and one thing only, and that is the choice we make. Paul said in our text today that he had learned how. He had learned how to be content with whatever that he had. You see, contentment is not only a choice, but it is a learning process, say, learning process. It is a learning process. And let me tell you that it is a choice uh, that we are going to have to continue to make. It's not just that I make that choice once and for all, but it might even be daily that I must make continue to make the choice that I choose today to be content. Here's something that I have learned, and that is much of our learning is unlearning. Much of our learning is unlearning. You see, much of what has been placed in our head by somebody simply is not true. Yeah, that's right. Or it has a measure of truth. Or it might be true, but it has been presented to us out of balance. There's much distorting of truth today, and so so we must be very, very careful and very, very cautious as to what we buy into. So prayerfully, with our Bibles open, sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, this is the way that we ought to lead our lives. A subject today is content or discontent. It's our choice. Let's talk about three things this morning, three things. Number one, I want, to, I want us to talk about the signs, the signs of discontentment. What are some of the signs of discontentment? Well, the truth of the matter is most people today are discontent. Two people said amen. Especially in America, most people today are discontent. Some people are aware of their discontentment. And these people tend to make everybody around them aware as well. (laughs) May I suggest to you that there is a host of people who although they would tell you they are content. And yet there are signs that seem to say that they too are struggling In the area of contentment. Hey, even the Apostle Paul must have struggled in this area at some point in time in his life. Because he said he had to learn how. So if he had to learn how to be content, then there must have been a time in his life when he wasn't, right? Let me give you four signs. Four signs of discontentment. The first sign that you may be discontent is if you're motivated by events. A true sign of discontentment is when you are motivated by events. If you are event-driven, if it's the next thing that you think is going to make you happy, If it's always the just a little bit more than I have attitude. The rich fool certainly had this attitude in Luke chapter 12. The Bible said that he had more than he could possibly ever need. The Bible said that his barns were full and yet full barns were not enough for him. Luke 12 and 18, he said, I know what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to pull down the barns that I have and I'm going to build back bigger barns. Think about this this morning. Perhaps. I, I can't prove it this morning. and You can preach it the way you want to the next time you preach. But but, but, but just perhaps. I, I don't know for sure. But perhaps the barns that he had now. He had already torn down previous barns. And these present barns were barns he had built to replace the previous barns. I, I, I don't know that. But, but now he's, now he's building even bigger barns. It, it's the bigger barn that will make me happy, he thought. but is it not the same with us we think the next event will make me happy the next event will bring contentment to my life some of the events might be marriage for those that are married maybe the next event for them to make them happy would be children and isn't it wonderful when you get it in that order Maybe it is the career. Maybe it's the next rung on the corporate ladder. Oh, oh, Maybe it's grandchildren is the next event. Maybe it's retirement. And on and on and on it goes. And it's never ending to the discontent. Amen. Never ending. Oh, oh, a nicer car or a bigger house or a more exotic vacation. I, I'm talking about the signs of discontentment. You might be discontent. If you are motivated and live your life for events. Notice another sign of discontentment. That is if you are manipulated by the opinions of others. A true sign of discontentment is when you are manipulated by the opinions of others. May I tell you that being a people pleaser is a sign of discontentment. When you're always worried about what people are going to think about you. What are they going to think about what I'm wearing? What are they going to think about the decision that I have recently made? What are they going to think about the car that I'm Driving. Oh, oh, about the position that I hold at work. Oh, oh, about my social status in life. Yes, friend, a sure sign of discontentment is when you are all worried about what everybody else is going to think. And so you drive yourself and you do things that you wouldn't do. And you even do things that you do not want to do. But you gotta do it in order to meet other people's expectation of you. On the other hand, if you were truly content, your attitude would be, Hey, I'm not thrilled that I don't meet everybody's expectations. I'm not thrilled that I'm not living up to somebody's expectation of me. But I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I I, I might not be doing what somebody else thinks that I might ought to be doing. But I know, I know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I know that I am doing it to the very best of my ability. And so therefore I refuse to allow somebody else's unrealistic expectation of me to rob me of my peace and my fulfillment and my contentment. Now, let me take a little sidestep this morning because I do not want to be misunderstood this morning. I want to make something perfectly clear. And as I go through this message, you must remember what I'm saying right now. When I talk about contentment, I'm not talking about settling for less, I'm not talking about not being driven, I'm not telling you not to reach for the stars. And I'm certainly not giving you a license to be lazy. But you see, for me, contentment is doing everything that I possibly can. Doing everything that I possibly can and everything that I know to do. And then after I've done everything that I know how to do and everything I know to do. And after I've done everything to the best of my ability. Oh, then I put that knowledge and that ability and that wisdom and that energy into the hands of the Lord. And then I let him be responsible for the results. And whatever the results are, whatever the results are, after, say after whatever the results are, after I have prayed and after I have worked and after I have used up all of my gifts and my talents and abilities. But once that is done, then I choose to be content with the results that God gives me. And I choose this whether or not other people are content with me. I said I choose this even when I know there are other people that are not content with me. There are other people that think I ought to do this, that, or something else. Other people that think I ought to be this, that, or something else. But if I know within my heart that I'm doing the right thing, if I know within my heart I'm doing the things that God has told me to do, and I'm doing it with all of my energy and all of my heart and everything I've got, but then once I've reached that point, then it's up to God. And then I just let God. Determine the results, and I'm content with the results, whatever the results are. Talking about the signs of discontentment. Let me give you another one this morning. You'll love this one melodramatic. Because you see, discontented people are melodramatic. They're on a constant roller coaster ride. They're either sky high or on the very bottom. One minute they're up and the very next moment they are down. Oh, oh, when they hit a home run, they trot around the bases oh, with in-your-face pride and swagger. Oh, but when they strike out, they throw their bat against the dugout and pout like a spoiled child. On the other hand, contented people understand that everybody strikes out a whole lot more than they hit home runs. If you'll check the statistics, most of the time, the people winning the home run title are also leading in the strikeout category. And they strike out a whole lot more than they hit home runs. Amen? Amen. Melodramatic people are discontented people. They seem to find fault with everybody and everything and nothing ever seems to be right in their eyes and they are constantly in the middle of conflict and constantly in the middle of turmoil. What a miserable way to go through life. I refuse to live my life this way. Notice one more sign of discontentment, and this is a biggie this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's the big one. (laughs) (laughs) Miscalculation of true value. Miscalculation of true value. Here's what I've learned. There are a lot of things in life more valuable than money let me give you just a short list I could give you a long list but we don't have time so let me give you a short list of things that are in life that are more valuable than money How about time spent with people you love several years ago a young man came to me for advice And since he came to me for advice, I felt free to give it to him. (laughs) He was a young man in my church. He was in his early 30s. He had a wife and three little kids under 10. And his company that he worked for offered him the opportunity to double. Say double, double. To double his salary. But in order to double his salary, he would have to work overseas in the Middle East. His family would not be going with him. His schedule would be work 28 days straight and then be home 28 days. And the money was very appealing to him. He also liked the idea that Yeah, i got to work 28 days in a row, but I get 28 days in a row off. And he came to me for advice, and he said, Pastor, what do you think I ought to do? And I called him my name, and I said, You have your whole life to make money. You have your whole life to make money. And hey, he was an engineer. He was already making big bucks. Double was... Out the wazoo, man. I mean, different time zone, zip code than I'm used to. You know what I'm saying? He's already an engineer, already making good money. I, 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 said, I said, you've got your whole life to, ahead of you to make money. I said, if you do this, I said, you're going to miss half of your kid's life. You're going to miss half of your kid's life growing up. Half of the time. You're going to make your, your wife, you're going to make her half of the time a single mom. She's going to have to raise the kids all by herself half the time. And you're not going to be here to help her when they're sick. And if they have to go to the hospital, you're not going to be here to go there. You're going to miss half their ball games. You're going to miss half of their recitals. Dude. You're going to miss half of their life and turn your wife into a single mother half of the time. I said, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I said, wait until your last kid leaves home and then do something like this. I said, hey, hey, it's not the first time in history that something like this has been offered. It's not that if I don't do it now, I'll never be able to do it. There'll be another day. There'll be another time. Did he listen to me? course not People only listen When you tell them What they want to hear Some things are more valuable than money Here's another Peace of mind Peace of mind I have always lived Below my means I could live in a bigger house I could drive a nicer car I could live a notch or two above my present lifestyle. And I've been doing that now for about 30 years. But there's just something nice about owning what I have. Rather than what I have owning me. Now please don't misunderstand me. I don't have a lot of money. People hear when I say, well we're going to pay a double tithe this year to missions. Well, we're going to pay a triple tithe this year to the building fund. Wow, he must make lots of money. I don't owe anybody. That frees me up to give a lot of money to God. Amen. Amen. Ask my deacons, my salary's not going up. Amen. Amen. Don't misunderstand me. I don't have a lot of money, but I don't owe anybody anything either. And that peace of mind is more valuable to me than a rung or two higher on the social ladder standing. Some things are more valuable than money. Here's another. God's approval. You see, at the end of life, there's only one thing that will truly matter, and that's God's approval. Approval. At the end of our life, man's approval will not matter. It will not matter where we lived. It will not matter what we drove. It will not matter what position that we held. It will not matter how much money we had in the bank. It will not matter what country club membership that we held. The only thing that is going to matter is God's approval. And people who are discontent in life are all caught up in the rat race we call the American dream. And they have miscalculated true value. And because they have miscalculated true value, they gladly trade quality family time at key moments for an extra dollar or two. They trade in peace of mind by overextending themselves financially or by taking on too much responsibility. They exchange God's approval for man's approval. A true sign of discontentment is the miscalculation of true value. All right, we've talked a little bit this morning about the signs. Let's go on and talk a little bit this morning about the sources. What are some of the sources of discontentment? We've talked about this before, so I'll just try and go through it really quickly, but everywhere you turn, we are bombarded with the temptation of discontentment. Let me mention three sources. First one is Satan. See, see, the devil's number one goal is to keep us discontent. Because, you see, he knows that he can use this as a way to sabotage our relationship with God and our effectiveness for God. If he can just get us discontent. It's interesting that this is the very first thing that he did when God made man and placed man in the garden. God, the Bible said, gave Adam and Eve everything that could ever possible need or want or desire. There was only one thing that God withheld from them, but Satan convinced them that they could not be content with what God gave them. They got everything they could ever need or possibly want, but the devil convinced them that they didn't have what they needed in order to be content. He convinced them that they must have the one thing, the only, the one thing that God said they could not have. The only thing they did not have. But Satan convinced them that they could not be content unless they had the one thing that God said they couldn't have. You see, the devil knows that if he can get us discontent, that we will also become discontent with God. He knows that, 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 it, that he can get us to question God's love for us and God's fairness to us if he can get us discontent. Oh, oh, he will say to us, look at what so and so has. Oh, oh, God must love them a whole lot more than he loves you because if God loved you as much as he loved them, he would give you what he has given them. He also knows that if we are ineffective where we are, that God cannot take us where he eventually wants us to be. And so therefore God's work is hindered where we are now and where God wanted to eventually take us. Another source of discontentment is self. Self. Man is born with a selfish nature. A lot of things you have to teach your kids, selfishness is not one of them. (laughs) Children are born with a selfish nature. A child's first words are something like mama, dada, papa, (laughs) and mine. (laughs) When my son was just a little boy. A few weeks before Christmas, my wife and I started asking our son, son, what would you like for us to get you for Christmas? And one day I got a toy catalog and, and a pen, and I and I set Chad down, and I said, here's a toy catalog, and here's a pen. And, and I said, I want you to look through this toy catalog, and I want you to be very, very careful, and I, I only want you to circle only the toys in this catalog that you really, really I mean, you just really, really want. He circled every toy. (laughs) I'm telling you the truth. He he circled every toy in the catalog. Proverbs 27 and 20 says, The eyes of man are never satisfied. And James said in James 1 and 14, He said that man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire. By his own. Desire. I'm talking about the sources of discontentment. There's there's Satan, there's self, and then and then there's society. See, the fact of the matter is, America has drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> America has believed the lie. Amen. The lie that bigger is better, that money will make you happy. Actually, it's just a little bit more money will make you happy. That you must have the new and the improved, the latest and the greatest. And success today is defined by positions and possessions. Oh, the football coach tells his team, second place, is first loser. The sales manager tells his salespeople, oh, we've got to sell more this week than we sold last week, even though last week we broke the all-time sales record. And on and on and on it goes as society constantly tells us that although we did the very best that we could with what we had, it's just not quite good enough. And to be content is to be a loser who has no drive or ambition or dream. Oh, yes, friends, society is a big-time source of discontentment. Please, please. Please don't misunderstand me this morning. I'm not giving you a license to be mediocre. I'm not giving you a license to be lazy. What I am encouraging you today is, oh, work hard. I'm encouraging you today to work with excellence, to do the very best you can with what you have to work with. I'm encouraging you today to do your job well. I'm encouraging you today to develop your skills. I'm encouraging you today to reach for the stars. But after you have done everything that you can, then leave the results up to God and be content with the outcome whatever it might be. Amen. Amen. Alright, we've talked about the signs and the sources. Let's look at one last thing this morning. Let's talk about the seeds of contentment. The seeds of contentment. Do you understand that the fruit of your life today was determined yesterday according to the seeds that you sowed? Do you understand that the fruit of your life tomorrow is being determined today by the seeds that you are sowing? And the seeds that we plant through our attitude will determine whether we reap a harvest of contentment or a harvest of discontentment. Let me suggest three seeds of contentment that we need to sow today. First thing I want to encourage you to do is accept your situation. I don't know what your situation is. But whatever your situation is, accept your situation. Philippians 4 and 11, Paul said, I have learned to be content with whatever I have. He went on to say, I've had a lot and I've had a little. See, the fact of the matter is, it is what it is, so you might as well accept it. You might as well embrace it, because it is what it is. You can whine about it, you can cry about it, you can throw a fit about it, but it doesn't change the fact that it is what it is. And it might be for, there for a short time, it might be there for a long time. Amen. Things might change quickly or they may, it may take some time. But understand that God has a purpose for everything. The longer I live... Because the longer you live, the more you have to look back on. And the more, and and the longer that I live, and the more experiences that I have in my life, I am more well able to understand that, yes, God has a purpose for everything. Now, more often than not, I'm not going to understand God's purpose. Because his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. They're so far removed. They're as far as the the, the heavens are from the earth. That's how far removed our thinking is from God's. God has a purpose for everything. Most of the time we're not going to understand God's purpose. But you can be assured he has one. He may or may not reveal it to you. It may be on the other side when when he finally reveals it to you. I have a sneaking hunch that when we get on the other side, we don't even want to know. We don't even care. True story. A pastor whose church was struggling. I mean, it was struggling. And he was praying every day for God to bless his church and God to help him to grow his church. And agonizing and crying and and pleading with God to help him build his church. And one day God, the pastor said, one day God spoke to his heart. And God said, I'm not growing my church right now. I'm growing my man. I'm not growing my church right now, right now. I'm growing my man. Accept your situation. Let God use it to grow you. Not only should you accept your situation, you should also appreciate. Appreciate your situation. Romans 8 and 28 says that we know That God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God causes how many things to work together? Well, if God is always at work in our life, if God is, is causing all things to work together, I didn't say God causes all things, but he causes all things that do happen to us to work together for our good and for his glory. So if God is always at work in our lives, if he is, if he is using every single thing in our lives, including the good, the bad, and the ugly, then why would we not appreciate our situation? You see, it's much easier to be content in difficult circumstances when we truly believe that God is at work and that God is using every circumstance in our life to make us better and to develop us and to equip us and to prepare us for our destiny. Whining and crying and complaining will not only keep us from going forward, it will actually knock us back a few steps. Talking about the seeds of contentment. The third one is analyze your situation. You're in a predicament, you're in a situation. Analyze your situation. Let me just give you some, just throw out some questions you could ask yourself as you're going through the situation. Ask yourself, why am I in this situation? Most of the time, it's because I had a day of stupid. How many ever had a day of stupid? Why am I in this situation? Another question you might ask is, what can I learn from this situation? One thing I usually learn from bad situations is, I don't want another one like it. You know, they say to the older folks, you know, you know you're older that, you know, when you get down to tie your shoe, you look around and figure out what else you can do while you're down here. (laughs) Let me tell you something that might help you. You're already in a situation, so you might just kind of look around, you know, and see what can I learn while I'm in this situation. (laughs) I don't like my situation, maybe, and so... I don't want to get out of it as quick as I can. I don't want to return. Amen. Right. Here's another question you might ask. Is there anything I can do right. or stop doing so this situation will not be repeated? Amen. Yes. These are just a few of the seeds that we can sow that will help produce a crop yes. of contentment. In our life, if the worship team can get back in place very quickly and very quietly this morning, please. Content or discontent? That is the question of the day. And the choice is up to us. And your contentment has nothing to do with what you have or what you don't have has nothing to do with whether you meet your goal or do not meet your goal. It boils down to one thing and one thing only, and that is choice. Do I choose to live my life always discontent? I mean, I carry it everywhere I go. When I'm at work, I'm discontent. Nobody's doing it right at work. But then I go home and I discover nobody's doing it right at home. And then I go to church. And nobody's doing it right at church. What is the common denominator? The choice is up to us and I'm sick and tired of God's people being sick and tired Amen. and I'm sick and tired of God's people having more than 98% of all people in the world and we whine and we cry because we're having trouble with the second car having trouble with a swimming pool. (laughs) (laughs) It's a terrible life. (laughs) 95% of the world lives on a couple dollars a day. They're happy if they got a cardboard Something just to put over their head to keep out of the rain. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And we spend thirty minutes in the closet trying to find the right shoes <laughs> for our outfit. I noticed some of you didn't spend a lot of time this <laughs> Braden had paint on his shoes last week. I'm glad you got the paint off. <laughs> I got to pick on him a little bit. Worship leaders, that's what they're to pick on. Him. What kind of shoes you got on today? Okay, all right. I don't know about you. I can't speak for you this morning. But I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you that I'm going to do everything I can do. Amen. I'm going to lay it all out. I'm going to give all of my energy. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to pray. I'm going to see God. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to try and listen to God. I'm going to try and do what God tells me to do. But at the end of the day, after I've done everything I know how to do, I'm going to lay it before God and say, God, that's it. And I'm going to be content with the results that God has given me after I've done everything within my power. I choose to offer God my very best and then trust Him for all the rest. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, I just pray today that you will... Take the word that has been shared this morning. Lord, I I know I've said some of this stuff before. But I know it's what I'm supposed to say today. God, forgive us for being discontent. When you've provided us everything that we need to live our life with everything we need to do our ministry with you provide because where you guide you provide God forgive us for drinking the Kool-Aid forgive us for, dry, for uh, buying in to the lie of the enemy that we can't be happy with what we have We can't be content with what you've given us. That what we have to have in order to be content is that one thing we don't have. But do we not understand that once we get that, the enemy will make sure that he points out something else that we don't have? And it's a vicious cycle. Take your word and do it. Do what you want to do in this place today your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed in this house today I wonder how many of you nobody's looking about this morning say pastor you hit me between the eyes today I'm struggling in this area that you talked about today and I want God to help me to draw the line in the sand say enough's enough make the right choice today. All over this room, can I see your hand if you fit that? Yeah, yeah, all over this room. Raise them on up high, on up high. Yeah, all over. Every single one of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably 25% of the church, maybe 20%, maybe more, I don't know, but many in every area. If, if you are if you are sincere about that this morning, I want you to come and stand in the front this morning. Would you let me pray for you? more? More important than that, I want you to pray for yourself. But come on down. Come on. Just keep coming. Just keep coming this morning. Keep coming. Just keep on coming. just had a boyfriend or girlfriend. God, if I just had a husband or a wife. God, if we just had some kids. God, if I just have a grandkid. God. Now, this is a tough statement, so don't throw rocks at me. I don't think there's any rocks in here. I think I'm saved. What we're really saying is, God, you're not enough for me. God, you're not enough for me. i, I got to have something else. You're not enough. God, what you've given to me, what you've done for me, it's not enough. That's what we're saying. Anybody else answer the altar call now? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Father, I just pray for these that are here today, Lord, that well, they were brave enough and they got enough courage up today, Lord, to walk down these aisles, walk to the front this morning. It wasn't an easy thing to do. It wasn't an easy altar call to, re- to respond to today. God, I just pray today, Lord, for each one that have come today, God, you will, you will help them today to make the right choice. Understanding that they're not, they're not, you know, they're not giving in to settle for less than... No, 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 no. They're, they're just saying, God, I'm going I'm to give you everything I have and everything I don't have. Yes, amen. Thank you, Lord. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Once I've exhausted all of my gifts, my talents, and of my abilities, yes. then that's I've gone as far as I can go. That yes. I'm going to be content. I'm going to be satisfied with the results that you Give me. But I know I don't have to have very much for you to use me because, because all David had was a shepherd and five little rocks. That's all he had, but look what he was able to do. All Moses had was just a rod. It wasn't a magic wand. It was just a, a stick. A shepherd's staff. That's all he had. But look at the miracles. The little lad didn't have much. All he had was just a little Happy Meal from McDonald's. And look what happened. It's not that I have to have a lot. It's just that I have to give you what I have. And then I have to trust you to do what you want to do with what I have, whether it be little or whether it be much. I give it to you and I trust you and I content myself in the fact that the results are the results that you chose to give me. I make the choice today in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Amen.